As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Good evening, good evening, good evening. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since I've been on Facebook Live, on Spreaker.com, and doing my radio show. I'm doing it a little bit early. I just needed to come on and just let you all know the goodness of the Lord. I am excited. I've been through going through a whole lot these last few weeks, but with God, all things are possible. And with God, he's moving things and turning things around for our good. And we must know that we are not righteous and all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so even in our so-called quote unquote goodness, we're still not where we need to be in all aspects long as we're pulling ourselves closer to the Lord. Hi, Ray Ross. How are you doing? God bless you. Um, it's just important that we love God and that we show him that we love him. We honor him. But more than that, he loves us and he loved us so much that he gave us his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Can we say everlasting life? Hallelujah. God is good. And so because of that, I am going to play a song that you guys, I hope will enjoy. Okay. Um, and I don't know how many of y'all know Fantasia, but I'm going to look for Fantasia because I know I have some songs of Fantasia somewhere on here. But hi, Kim Boos. God bless you. Oh, you know what? I got another one. We're going to sing. I want to hear a slow one called Hide Me by Bruce Parham. Tonight's lesson is going to be beautiful. Our self, our self, you think it's so good, right? In the secret place. Of your holiness and grace That's where I worship In the presence Bless your name and give you reverence How many of us just need God to hide us? Hide us in presence and his bosom With the hands of mercy With his hands of mercy Covers, from the enemy. covers us from the enemy. Covers us from the enemy. We think that we're good. Oh, okay, we got a long way to go. Oh, 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 oh,
short time. Praise God. Hide us from our circumstances. Hide me. I want to take one more chance. I'm going to take one more chance in God's I need you to hide When my strength is weak. We want us to hide me. We want to take one more glance. Oh, I need God to hide us. Hide me, Lord. Hide me. I'm just getting started. I'm starting. I, I'm not. Don't even do this on Monday night. But God just shared something with me. I want to get on here and I want to talk about it. I want to talk about how we are Christians. Christians. You know. And um, sometimes we think we so good and we're doing things so right. But we need to worship in the presence of the Lord. God to hide. I need you to hide me. Hide me. mercy. covers me. Come from the enemy. You beautiful girl.
Sometimes we got to be covered from our sins. <laughs> Even if. Heavenly Father, I come before you right now, Lord God. First of all, Lord God, before we do anything, we just want to praise your name. We just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for the ups and the downs. Thank you for the crossways. Thank you for the going unders and the going overs, Lord God. Thank you for going through, helping us to go through the difficult situations, Lord God. Father God, we we ask of nothing right now, but we just want to give you glory. We want to praise your holy name because you, God, alone are worthy to be praised. It's nothing that we're doing of ourselves. It's nothing that we doing that we may even do for others, but it's all about you, Father God. And so, Father God, just gird my lips, Lord God. Help me to speak what you would have me speak unto your people. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to reach the souls out there. But Father God, let someone hear something that is good for them, Lord God. Something that will cause them to say, Lord, what must I do to be a better person? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to come to you, Lord God, to have you for myself? Because you know, we know that you love us. And sometimes we get off course. And for that, we say, we're sorry. We're sorry. We're, we apologize. We ask for free forgiveness, Lord. In the name of Jesus. No, Father God, as I go forth in this lesson, Father God, let someone... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Out there, hear the word and know and feel in the spirit that it was for them, that they will turn from their wicked ways, hear from heaven, and let you pour out a blessing unto them. Save souls, Lord God. Make people whole, Lord God. Heal, deliver, and set free. In the name of Jesus, I ask you this as your servant. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, hi, Aunt Sarah. God bless you. God bless you. Um, tonight's lesson, and I'm coming a little late, 
It's not my normal time, but God impressed on me that I should come because I didn't come. I've been kind of slacked in a couple of weeks because a lot of things have been going on. So, uh, no excuses. Got to get back on the got get back on that horse and ride, right? So tonight we're going to be talking about our self righteousness. What does the Bible say about self righteousness? Mm. Self righteousness. Hallelujah. Self righteousness. The dictionary's definition for self righteousness is confidence in one's own righteousness, having confidence. In yourself, having a superiority attitude or a superiority mindset or having high morals and an intolerable, intolerant mindset for others and the behaviors of others. Biblically speaking, self-righteousness, okay, is, uh, is related to legalism. The doctrine, the salvation, that salvation is gained through your good works. A lot of times people think that you gain righteousness through, or you gain salvation through your good works. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And, and if real true Christians understand that that idea that we can somehow be more saved <laughs> or be better to make ourselves more righteous and have more righteousness than the next person. And that is totally, uh, uh, that will be acceptable, um, that that will be acceptable to God. And it's really not, it's not, it's not acceptable to God. Romans three and 10 tells us, although saved individuals we all that are Christians really do, we do not, or we should, I, or should I say we should not, and we should recognize what a mistake it is to have that type of mindset. It is because of our own sin nature. It is a constant temptation to all of us to believe we are or can be righteous in and of ourselves. That's not possible. We cannot be righteous without God. And even our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's what it says in the word of God. It's as filthy rags. And in the New Testament, Jesus and the Apostle Paul came down particularly hard on the Christian, (laughs) quote unquote Christians, uh, on those who attempted to live in self-righteousness, people that try to live in self-righteousness, you know, God didn't, didn't, uh, allow the people to think that he doesn't want people to think that they are so self-righteous as in to look at other people and think they're better than someone else. And sometimes we as Christians think that way. We act like we do anyway. And Jesus, Jesus's condemnation of self-righteous was especially harsh in his treatment of the Jewish leadership of that time, which really what goes around comes around and what's, there's nothing new under the sun. The Bible tells us that. Six times in Matthew 23, Jesus himself condemns the scribes and the Pharisees for rigidly adhering 
to their legalistic traditions in order to make themselves look better to other people. We always want to make ourselves look so much better than someone else or so much better because we don't want no one to see those little bad spots, those little things that would make you, would make someone else think, oh, that person really uh, got a problem too. Well, we all have problems and we're, and none uh, are better than the other. We're only as good as God, the God inside of us that we allow him to lead us and guide us. It is only through him there's any righteousness at all. Um, but where was I at? I was talking about um, the parable. There's the parables of the Pharisees and the tax collector, right? Was specifically told by Jesus to some who trusted in themselves. They just trusted in themselves and that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. They always was trying to point fingers at others for their wrongful doing, but they didn't ever look at themselves. And this lesson on tonight's going to cause you to want to look at yourself. Luke 18, 9 through 14. The Pharisees assumed his acceptance with God based on his own actions, whereas the tax collector recognized that there was nothing in himself that would cause God to approve of him. Over and over again in the gospel, over and over again in the gospels, Jesus clashes with the Pharisees and scribes about true righteousness. He keeps telling them over and over. You know, at the same time, he spends a great deal of time and energy warning his disciples about the dangers of being self-righteous. It's dangerous when you're self-righteous, making it clear that without him, they could do nothing. Without God, without Jesus, we can do nothing. And without him, we are nothing. We are nothing. John 15 and 5, without him, we can do nothing. Paul also has uh, was treated treated of self-righteousness and Paul's treatment of self-righteousness is no less uh, scathing than Jesus was. Jesus's was. He was also condemned them just like Jesus did. He began his great argument in Romans for the grace of God by condemning the Jews, Jews of their self-righteous trust in circumcision. Romans 2, 17 and 24. He follows up in chapter 10 saying that the Jews tried to gain acceptance with God based on their own righteousness and demonstrating ignorance of the true righteousness of God. Romans 10 and 3. And in his, in, in his conclusion, in his conclusion, um, that's what Christ is in the end of the law for righteousness and not man. And it talks about that in verse four, in chapter 10, verse four, Paul's letter. We talk about, and we're going to go into, we're going to go into this deeper, but I'm just kind of giving you the biblical, the background first. Paul's letter to the Galatian church um, also addressed the same issue. These believers were being told that they had, um, that they had to do certain things to be acceptable to God. And, um, and they were told they had to be circumcised. Paul goes so far as to, as to say that this is another gospel. And he calls those who advocate it accursed in Galatians 1, 8, and 9. And so um, more, more tellingly it was, he tells his readers, 
He tells his readers that if righteousness could come from their own actions, then Jesus died for no purpose. And we know that he died for a purpose, just like we're living for a purpose. We're living for a purpose. So um, in, uh, Paul con uh, also concluded about the Galatian believers was that they had been foolish in their attempt to be perfected by the flesh. That's what it is when we think that we're uh, doing something so right and so good. And we, like I said, and like the word says, our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God because we think that we're doing this on our own. Oh, I'm doing this and this is so much greater and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. That's just selfish flesh. That's just Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The flesh. We, if you're not giving God the glory and you're not doing it through the Lord and the Lord guiding and you're doing it because he's allowing you and he's, he's driving you. He's the driving force. He's the center. He's the head. He's the tail. He's the everything in it. Then it's filthy rags. It's as if, it's, it's as if filthy rags. It would be an understatement to say that every believer is plagued by this attitude. Not every believer is plagued by that attitude. But a lot of us are. A lot of a lot of believers are. It is a it is our sin nature to try to do something to um, to merit our salvation, to make it worth something, to make it seem like it's you know we're just better than our than we you know I'm saying we're better. <laughs> it is a uh, it is a costly freedom of grace bought for us by the blood of Jesus with no contribution from us at all. Is, is difficult for our prideful hearts to understand or even appreciate. It is uh, a lot easier to compare ourselves with one another than it is to recognize that we can't even measure up to the standards of, the, of this holy God. It's easier for me to compare myself with you, Angela, than it is for me to, to, uh, to measure up to God's standards. It's easier for me to, to measure up to you, uh, Cat Clarity, than it is for me to, to standard, to live up to the standards of God. And, and um, in Christ, we can know true righteousness. In Christ, we can know the forgiveness of sin that comes to us through grace because he stood in our place and we benefited from both his sin his sinless life, and his sin-bearing death in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. 
because of his sacrifice. It's only because of his sacrifice. Nothing that we did ourselves. It is because of his sacrifice. We can face our sin and bring it to the cross. Bring it to the cross rather than try somehow to be good enough for God. Because we're never going to be good enough for God. Only in the cross can we see the grace, grace that covers all our sin and defeats the constant tendency towards self-righteous attitude in our heart. Self-righteousness. So um, we all, we are all, we are all uh, of our righteous acts considered filthy rags as you were I wasn't meaning we are all I'm saying why are all that was the question I should have I didn't say that right why are all of our righteousness can acts why are all of our righteous righteous acts considered filthy rags why is that all of us have become like one who is unclean the Bible says that in Isaiah 64 and 6 all of us have become like one as one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. I, uh, uh, this passage is often used as a proof text to condemn all of our acts of goodness as nothing more than filthy rags in the eyes of God. How does God see us? Is obviously not the way we see ourselves, but how does God see us? The context of this passage is referring specifically to the Israelites in Isaiah's time, which is actually the 760 to 670 BC before Christ who had strayed from God. Isaiah was writing concerning his nation and their, hypocr and their hypocrisy. Yet he includes himself in the description by saying, we and our. Isaiah was redeemed and set apart as a prophet of God. And yet he saw himself as part of a group that was utterly sinful. And and, and that's, I, I, I understand that because that's the way I be feeling now. It's like, I may be doing some things that other people think are good and they're, and, and it looks good and it may sound good. But there's so much sin in my life. There's so much sin that I still um, know I need a savior. You know, I know that that there are times when I strayed from God. And so I say I and we and our because that's a description of me sometimes. I see myself as part of a group. That is utterly sinful. The doctrine of total, total depravity is taught clearly elsewhere in scriptures, like Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And the illustration of Isaiah 64 and 6 could rightly be applied to the whole world as we know it, especially given Isaiah's inclusion of himself in the description. So we don't have time to look at you, you, and you, and you, but we turn the light on ourselves. And say, I have a sinful nature. My flesh can rise up and do the wrong thing. You know, the term filthy rags, 
filthy rags. When we think of a filthy rag, you think of old grease, dirty old greasy rag, greasy rag that you can't wash your face with. Because if you wash your face, it's going to cause your face to be dirty. The, the, the filthy rag is we think of an old smelly, stanky, nasty rag that may have been in the garbage or has been trampled in the mud. It's a, it's a quiet, it's a strong word. The word filthy is translated in the Hebrew word adah, I-D-D-A-H, adah, which literally means the bodily fluid from a woman's menstrual cycle. That's what it means. The bodily fluid from a woman's menstrual cycle. That is what's considered filthy. The word rags is a translated of begged, meaning a rag or garment. Therefore, these righteous acts are considered by God a, as repugnant as a soiled feminine hygiene product. That's tough to swallow, but that's what it is. And that's what it means. And, you know, Isaiah wrote the Israelites, Israelites had been the recipients of numerous miraculous blessings from God. Yet they had turned their backs on him by worshiping false gods. Isaiah 42 and 17 talks about making sacrifices and burning incense or strange altars. Isaiah 65, 3 and 5. Isaiah had even called Jerusalem a harlot and compared it to Sodom. In Isaiah 3 and 9, these people had an illusion of their own self-righteousness. Yet God did not esteem their acts of righteousness as anything but polluted, nasty, filthy garment rags. This, um, Their apostasy or falling away from the law of God had, re had rendered their righteous works totally unclean. Like the wind... Their sins were sweeping them away. Isaiah 64 and 4. Martin Luther said the most demandable and pernicious heresy that has ever plagued the, man, the mind of man is somehow he can make himself good enough to deserve to live forever with an all holy God. So I would ask myself, just like I'm going to ask you, what? Did we deserve? No, wait, that's not the question. Why do we think we deserve? Or do we get what we deserve? Do we get what we deserve from God? My answer is no. I don't get what I deserve from God. Because if I, do, if I dealt with my own sin and the things in my life that is not right, I don't deserve to, be, to even be called a child of God. That's because I don't deserve it. Do if do I get what I deserve from God? God allows me to have clothes on my back, food in my stomach, a house, a roof over my head. He he gives me everything that I need, but do I really deserve it? Do I deserve what I get from God? Or do I deserve, am I getting what I deserve is what I would ask. Am I getting what I deserve? Do I deserve to have those things? Do I deserve to, to, uh, for God to show me so much love and kindness and forgiveness? 
Do I deserve it? What am I doing for God that I deserve his grace and mercy? Because all of my righteousness is as filthy rags. None, nothing good inside of me is, is, is because I'm doing it on my own. Nothing good inside of me is because I'm doing it on my own. It's through the Lord. It's through having God as part of my life, as head of my life. That's the only way. That is the only way that I can be even somewhat, somewhat good. Um, where we at? Paul explains that we cannot do anything to save ourselves. We can't do anything to save ourselves, but our salvation comes only as a result of God's grace. It is nothing we do on our own, but it is God's grace. It is God's grace. And we need to start giving God the glory. We need to start thanking the Lord because it is his grace and his mercy. Not that we do anything and we can't save ourselves. Then he proclaimed that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2 and 10. Our salvation is not the result of any of our efforts. It ain't because we just do things right. It is not because of our abilities. It isn't because we're intelligent. It isn't because of our choices. It isn't because of our personal characteristics. It isn't because our acts of service that we even perform. But however, as believers, we are created in Christ Jesus for our good work, for, for good works, not for our good work, for, for good works to help and serve others, to help and to serve others. We have to get the mindset of helping and serving others. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it can take you out of your element. Yes, it can be an extra uh, things that you have to do. But God is calling for a people that is about doing his doing his business. And he wants us to do good works to help and to serve others. So if we helping and serving others like we're supposed to, then God will turn around and bless us because we're being obedient to what he called us to do. While there is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. We can't do anything to earn our salvation. God's intention is that our salvation will result in acts of service. Stop just turning around and doing everything uh, for ourselves. You know, a lot of people be like, I'm a, it's all about me. I got to take care of me first. Yes, you need to care for yourself. Yes, you need to do some, you need to do things to take care of yourself. But it shouldn't be all about you. It can't be all about you. Is others, is God first, others, help and serve others. Because God's going to take care of you. If you take care of others the way he wants you to, he will take care of you. He will take care of you. Service is in my heart. Helping people is in my heart. I've tried many times to be like, you know what? I ain't going to help nobody because I'm tired of peeing walked on. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. But God always shakes me up and says, that's what you're here for. You're here to help and serve others because when you help and serve others, I am going to bless you. 
I am going to do be the one there for you. I'm going to cause this and that to happen. And he does it every time. God's intention is that our salvation will result in acts of service. We are saved not merely for our own benefit, but to serve Christ and build up his church. Ephesians 4 and 12. We are the church. Build up other people. Don't tear them down. The, this reconciles the seeming conflict between faith and works. Our righteous does our, our righteousness does act our, our righteous acts the righteous acts do not produce salvation but are in fact evidence of our salvation. James 1 and 22 and 2 14 through 26. Um let's see. And in the end, we must recognize that even our righteousness acts come as a result of God within us. Not Lomarla by herself, but the God that is inside of me. On our own, our righteousness is simply a self-righteousness. When we're doing it on our own, we think we're doing everything on our own. It is a self-righteousness. It's vain. It's hypocritical. It's hypocritical religion. Produce nothing more than filthy rags. When you are hypocritical to the point you can't help others and be a light in this dying world, then we are as filthy rags. Our righteousness is nothing more than filthy rags. We have all become like one who is unclean. I've just talked about that, Isaiah 64 and 6. And all of our righteous, all of our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Is it true that any shortcoming of God's law offends his perfect holiness and makes us liable to judgment? Since God cannot look with favor or any sin, he can't look upon sin. He can't look with favor. He can't be like, well, you know, if you're sleeping with a man and you're not married, I can overlook that. No, God doesn't. But what brought a person to ruin in the Old Testament? And it is the same for us today. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Okay? So, but what brought a person to ruins back in the Old Testament was not the failure to have the righteousness of sinless perfection. What brought them to ruin was the failure to trust in the merciful promises of God. We are to trust in God, trust in his promises, especially the hope that he would one day provide a redeemer who would be a perfect righteousness for his people. The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah 23 and 6. The Old Testament saints knew that it is how that that was how they were saved and that this faith was the key to being obedient. The key to obedience was the evidence of this faith. It was the evidence of this faith. It is terribly confusing when people say that the only righteousness that has any value is the imputed righteousness of Christ. To be sure, justification is not grounded of any other, any of our righteousness, even spirit given righteousness of by faith, by faith, but only on the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. But sometimes people are careless and speak harshly 
of all human righteousness, as if there was no such righteous, righteousness worked in us that pleased God. And this is not helpful either. They often cite Isaiah 64 and 6, which says all our righteousness is as filthy rags or as a polluted garment. But the context, we got to go back to the context. The context in Isaiah 64 does not mean that all righteousness performed by God's people is unacceptable. God, that's not what it says. Isaiah is referring to referring in the text. He's referring to people whose righteousness is in fact hypocritical. And there's a difference. It is no longer righteousness. But in the verse just before this, just before there, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Isaiah says that God approvingly meets him who joyfully works righteousness. Isaiah 64 and 5. That's what it says. It's true. Gloriously true. (laughs) That none of God's people before or after the cross would be accepted by immaculately, by an immaculate Holy Spirit or Holy God. If the perfect righteousness of Christ were not imputed to us. Hey, Kay. Romans 5 and 19. Hey, Miss Evelyn, how are you doing? Glad you all joined me. Uh, Romans 5 and 19 and 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. That is true. It's true. But that does not mean God does not produce in those very justified people an experimental, ex, um, not experimental, experiential righteousness that is not polluted garment, that is not a polluted garment even though it is not yet perfected. Okay, I hope I'm making sense to y'all. In fact, let's see. If he if if he God does not do, blah, 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 if God does produce a uh, a such righteousness and this righteousness is per, uh is is precious to to God is in fact required not as the ground of our justification, which is righteous by Jesus Christ himself, but as an evidence of being truly justified children of God. And that is what Paul prays for. And as we should pray for as well. He prays in Philippians 1, 10 and 11, that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, 
filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It says it in your word. So we can't be caught up on being self-righteous. We can't be up on, um, we can't be caught up being self-righteous because all of our righteousness, all of our good, all of the things we think are good that we think we're doing on our own. We're not doing it on our own because if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit inside of me, I wouldn't be able to do good. I would not be able to do good. So Jeremiah 15 and 15 through 21, think about this. Do we really get what we deserve from God? Ask yourself, do we really get what we deserve from God? Our world is consumed by the idea of justice and equality. We're consumed by that. We hear it everywhere. The idea that everyone deserves the exact same treatment, the same benefits, the same outcomes, etc., 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 in every area of life, whether it's wages, equality, gender equality, marriage equality, equality of employment and housing and opportunity, our world believes that life ought to be absolutely fair, that people should get what they deserve. And when someone thinks they've been treated unfairly, which they do, they aren't afraid to let us know. They're not afraid to say, you know what? That's not fair. I'm not getting treated fair. My mom likes one of my sisters better than me. I'm not being treated fair. This week's riots in, in St. Louis or this week's riots in California or New York or Chicago serve, uh, serve once again, serve as a say, as a sad proof. When things happen, it's a sad proof. Fairness always plays a huge role in how people relate to God. Because they look at God as being the one that's being treating them unfairly. Whether it's in the Hindu concept, saying that that's karma, the secular superstition of paying it forward, or what goes around comes around. These are all secular things. Or even a misapplication of the Christian concept that a man ought to reap what he sows. Galatians 6 and 7. It's a human nature to believe that we should get what we deserve. Good people get rewarded and bad people get punished. That's what we believe. Is that true though? Should we get what we deserve? If we think about the prophet uh, Jeremiah, God answers that question for us, telling us that he doesn't give us what we deserve. A reason to repent and a reason to rejoice. We got to understand that we don't, get what we deserve. We don't get what we deserve. Many times we deserve way, way worse than what we get. God still yet blesses us when we don't deserve to be blessed. We wake up in the morning and able to lift up our hands and praise him. And we're not even deserving of waking up some mornings or most more, any, really anything. Because if you think about it, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Maybe, yeah, maybe you'll look and be like, well, you know what? I didn't kill nobody. You know what? But our tongue killed somebody, killed somebody's spirit. The way we treated somebody killed somebody's spirit. 
So we like to look at our we like to look at things today and be like, well, that wasn't that bad. This wasn't that. I didn't do that. I didn't do this. But our our filthiness, our goodness, is as filthy rags to God. The prophet Jeremiah clearly thought he deserved better for his service as God's spokesman to the people of Israel. Given the circumstances, we might be tempted to agree with him. We may think, oh yeah, they did. The 10 northern tribes of Israel had already been defeated and carried away by the Assyrians as punished for their rebellion and their idolatry. And the southern kingdom, which is Judah, was quickly following suit. They just kept, they did the same thing, just followed right one right after the other. The message God had given Jeremiah to proclaim then was not the kind you see emblazoned or postered on or at Christian bookstores. He was called to tell the remaining Israelites that God had run out of patience. He'd run out of patience and with their unbelief and punishment was on the horizon. Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to this people. Send them away from my presence. Let them go. And if they ask you, where shall we go? Tell them, this is what the Lord says. Those destined for death to death. Those for the sword to the sword. Those for, those for starvation, let them starve. Those for captivity, let them be captive. It is, it is in any, I mean, is it any surprise to you or to, to, to those that are hearing that no one wanted to hear that sermon? Nobody wanted to hear that. Is it any surprise that, in, that everyone in Israel, from the lowly slave to the king, ridiculed what Jeremiah was saying, blamed him for their troubles, just like we do? We blame others for all of our troubles. We refuse to associate with certain people mm. and even threaten people's lives sometimes. But you know what? We got to remain faithful. In spite of the persecution and the threats, we must remain faithful. And Jeremiah remained faithful. He continued to preach a difficult message to an even more difficult people. It's easy to understand why Jeremiah thought he deserved better. Why he thought it wasn't fair. It's easy to tell that. And that he was being blamed for steadfastly preaching God's message. And Jeremiah sets the example. He sets an example. And we can all imitate it by knowing where to take his pain and sorrow. We take it to the Lord. You understand, oh Lord, remember me and care for me. Avenge me on my uh, from my pers persecutors. You are long suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. You know, if Jeremiah had stopped there, we could say Amen. We could just be like, Yes, Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We could say that. But Jeremiah didn't stop there. He went on. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy. And in my heart, they were my delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God. Notice that at, le at least 
at first, at first, Jeremiah found joy in preaching God's message. But sometimes even preaching God's message, things will go on in your heart and go on in your mind. And they may, and, and it may seem strange. He really found joy in being a minister of doom and gloom. Yes, not because it was easy or because it brought Jeremiah fame or glory, but because it was God's word, which brings sinners to repentance. I never sat in the company of revealers, never made Mary, never made Mary with them. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you had filled me with indignation. Jeremiah had been isolated. He isolated himself from his society because he hated the rebellion. He hated the immorality and the idolatry that contaminated Israel. He was, he was an, he was angry at Israel's faithlessness. And that's the way we feel sometimes even now. You get angry because people are not, they're not getting it. They're not giving God glory. They're not loving the Lord with all their heart and soul and mind. And because that it, 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 it makes you want to just, preach and preach and preach and get people to understand and get people to understand. But I also know that until until God um, touches the heart of man, until he speaks to that spirit during the time, it will be their perfect time. No, not one will perish without hearing his name. Why is my pain unending and my wound and my wounds grievous and incurable? Will you be to me like a deceptive brook, like springs that frails? Did you notice the two problems with Jeremiah's complaints? Where does he base his demands for justice? Is it in his faithfulness, his commitment to the word, his refusal to join Israel's pagan uh, partying? In short, Jeremiah based his demands. He based his demands for injustice and for justice in all the good things he had done for God. And then he does, then who does he blame for his hardship? Not himself for being lazy and apathetic in his ministry. He doesn't blame himself. He doesn't blame the rebellious people to whom he was called to be ministered, ministering to a people who had been, who had betrayed the one true God and turned to idols. He didn't blame. No, Jeremiah blames God. That's exactly what we do when we get upset, when things don't go our way or when we think we deserve more than what we get. Are we or we not even considering what God uh, has given us that we didn't really deserve? But instead, we like to turn to blame. We don't blame the other things that's going on. We blame God, accusing him of bait and switch. We we like to we like to do that or, or of promising an easy and pleasant ministry and then failing to follow through. That's us. That's how we do. We blame God. Jeremiah had fallen into a trap of delusional self-righteousness. Unfortunately, it's a trap any believer can fall into. It is easy to sit and fall into those traps, but we have to be mindful. We have to be mindful that all of our goodness, everything that we think that we're good at is filthy rags, is as of filthy rags. All of all of what we do, if we're doing it for vainglory, if we're doing it for us to, to make ourselves look good, it's a it's a trap that any believer can fall into. You know, I've been a good Christian. I've been faithful. 
I've been a faithful spouse. I've been a faithful parent. I've been a good employee. I've been a generous giver, a willing volunteer. I do all that I do all that I do. You know, Lord, I deserve better. Do I? Do I really? The kind of complaint, that kind of demand for justice from God is so easy, isn't it? We just demand things. We just think we deserve them because we are who we are. And that's because while we are often slow to recognize our ungodly attitudes, our selfishness, our selfish behaviors, our 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 our, our pet sin, uh, we often blind we're often blind to our failures because we're so busy looking at everybody else, thinking that they're so bad. We are quick to come up with a list of all the good things that we do for God, but we we seldom think about what somebody else is doing because we become selfish and not selfless. We we think we're good because oh we uh we attend worship service. Mm. We go to church three times a week. You know, all that good stuff. Attending church, even when the weather is nice. And I could be doing something else. You know, I could be doing this. I could be doing that. I could be going boating. I could go fishing. I'm cleaning the church. I'm cutting the grass. I'm bringing snacks. I'm doing the flowers. I'm doing everything. I'm bringing my child to Sunday school and coming to Bible class. Maybe even serving as elected leader. Maybe I'm even doing, maybe I'm even working for our government. I'm working for, I'm working for this. I'm doing that. Not to mention my daily devotions. I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm, I'm committed to my spouse. I'm, I'm committed to my family. I do diligent work. I have good work ethic. Mm, mm, mm. My better than average behavior, my clean language. Oh, 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 maybe I don't have such clean language. And we could easily go on and on and on and on. Yeah, you're one of the good ones. Yep, I'm, I'm one of the good ones. You know, you've done a lot for God. And so he owes you big time. God owes you big time. But do you think you're getting what you deserve from God? We have to think about that. Do we really get what we deserve? But it doesn't always seem that God gets the memo. You know, sometimes we're like, Lord, you know, I prayed to you and I, I guess you just didn't get the memo. People, we people, we love suffering and tragedy and to get sick and we love to do all that. We love to die. Financial peace and security always seem just, they just seem out, like it's out of reach. Everybody that I know is going through financially. What's up with that? Rather than honor and respect God for who he is, rather than honor and respect for coworkers and family and even our fellow members, we feel like our faithfulness and our hard work either go unnoticed or, or they, it goes, uh, we only receive criticism from our work Living a quiet, moral, godly life doesn't get us lots of friends. And I've noticed it makes my circle smaller. Just as often it gets us unfriended. It gets us ridiculed. Christian marriages are not perfect because neither spouse is perfect. And we like to look at people and be like, oh, they're such a good couple. Oh, Pastor so-and-so and his wife, they're just the most loveliest people. 
But Christian marriages are not perfect because neither spouse is perfect. Christian parents can do all the great things raising their kids the best way they know how with the fear and admonition of God. And when you think they're going to do everything right because you raised them, you think you raised them the best you knew how. And guess what? It don't go that way. And, and we grieve when those same children wander away from, when they wander away from the Savior. And let me be honest. And let's be honest, I should say. Let's be honest with this. Even the church is not some utopia dream. It's not a, a, a with the pastor and members who are confessed and convicted sinners. There's bond, bound to be conflict and, tr- and trouble even in that as well. And sometimes we feel like we've reached the end of our rope. We're ready to give up. We're ready to throw in the towel. The cross is heavy and we want nothing. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. More than to sit it down and give up the fight. We turn to God with his outstretched hands and say, what gives God? I can't do this no more. I'm doing my best for you and all you give me back is pain and hardship. I deserve better. Do we? The question is, do we? Jeremiah wasn't the first believer that to think that way, and he won't be the last. We've all felt that way at one time or another. Do you want to know the truth? Do you want to hear what we really deserve? Isaiah tells us all of us have become like one as an unclean, and all our righteousness acts are as filthy rags. Paul adds, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away and they've become worthless. This is no one who does good, not even one. And the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life. The truth is that none of us have lived a life that meets God's expectations. We haven't lived a perfected life. I don't care where you come from. I don't care who you are. And we need to stop looking at people as like they, as though they are perfect. We stop putting people up on pedestals. Only, per, only thing should be on a pedestal is God. Stop putting people on pedestals. Because none are righteous. But God's righteousness. We don't, des- we don't deserve a reward from God for what we've done. The only thing we truly deserve to hear is depart from me. You are cursed in the eternal fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. Prepare. Beware, I should say. Beware of demanding that God give you what you deserve. Stop telling God to give you what you deserve. Because he will give it to you. Those who demand it. He'll give you what you deserve. So we have to understand that we, he gives us more 
he gives us more blessings than we really deserve. And I just wanted to share that with you on tonight. If you repent, God says he will restore you, that you may serve him. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn turn to them. You must turn to the Lord. So, you know, Jeremiah, we want to say, how did God respond to Jeremiah's, woe me, woe it's me. He didn't even dignify Jeremiah's complaint with a direct response. He didn't even say, you're right, Jeremiah, woe is you. (laughs) He He didn't promise to take all the trouble out of Jeremiah's life. And he's not going to take it out of our lives. God slaps Jeremiah in the face with the word, with the word, with the word, and says, "Repent." That's what that's what Jer- that's what God did. He repent, Jeremiah. Repent. Stop questioning my wisdom. Stop inflating our own goodness, and turn to me. That's what God says. Listen to my voice. Serve me. Grab hold of my promises and forget about yourself. Forget about yourself and trust in me. So with all the complaining and all the self-pity, Jeremiah had become just like the rebellious and adulterous Israelites he was supposed to be ministering to. But in his grace, God turned, repented him, repented him, Jeremiah from his sin and restored him. He cleansed Jeremiah's lips of his worthless Complaints and gave him worthy words in this final verse with the word redeem. God was pointing Jeremiah ahead 700 years to Jesus, who would pay the price for his sins of doubt and complaining. He would buy him back from the punishment in hell he deserved. And he bought us back from the punishment of hell we deserve. In his call to repentance, God promised to to give Jeremiah the opposite of what he deserves, forgiveness of sins, peace, and eternal life. So we too have received what we don't deserve. When we stray, we don't deserve to have God send his representatives into our lives to shock us back into reality. When we sin, we we don't deserve to have somebody come along that God has placed in our life to turn us around. But God does it because he loves us so much to let us wander all the way to hell and come back. When When we complain about God's justice, he would be absolutely justified in sending a bolt of lightning to, to us, but he doesn't. And yet God doesn't do that. Paul explains why. He is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Everyone. Second Timothy 3 and 9. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Most importantly, we don't deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve to be cleansed. We don't even deserve to be restored. But that's what makes God, that's what makes God's grace, grace. We don't deserve it. It's his unmerited favor. 
um, as Paul wrote in Romans, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and 8. If we want to talk about inequality and unfairness, the place to start and end is with the cross of Jesus Christ. We don't deserve to look forward to eternal life, but because Jesus wore a crown of thorns on his head, a throne and uh, a thorns on his head on the throne of the cross, he can be certain that we wear the crown of life. Hallelujah. We don't even deserve to serve God, to take up our cross and suffer for the sake of following Jesus Christ. We don't deserve to receive the criticism, ridicule, pain, and hardship that come from bearing the name of Christ. But God in his mercy gives us this privilege, of which means that the lesson Jeremiah learned 27,000 years ago still applies to us today. God never promises that following Jesus in this world of sin will be easy. And he doesn't say that it's going to be pain-free. In fact, Jesus tells us that it's just the opposite. He tells us that he says that the following him will mean that we need to carry a cross. And we can't be on a lazy boy. We can't be lazy. We got to carry that cross. But as we struggle, he does promise to fortify us. He does, he does promise to make us strong. He promises to make us a bronze wall. He promises to stand behind his word, stand on his promises, both law and gospel. And though it he, though it, he will give us the strength and stand firm against the wiles of the devil. And the world can throw, and all the things the world can throw at us. And even when we aren't firm, when we fall, Jesus promises to come, come to us in his word and in his body and in his blood, in his supper to pick us up, turn us around, place our feet on solid ground. He promises that even our greatest enemies can't hurt us because he has defeated them once and for all. We have to believe in God's word. And in the end, God promises that the struggle of his life is only temporary. The struggle in this life is only temporary. It will end. And even though we may be bruised and we may be broken, even though every one of us will have to admit that nothing we have done meets God's perfect standards. Nothing that we do, nothing that we've done, or nothing that we do will meet God's perfect standards. God will cover us with his son's perfect life, and he will leave our sin buried and forgotten in Jesus' tomb. And that's what I have to leave with you all. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. The promises of God made to Jeremiah still stand for repentant believers today. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the cruel. When the going gets tough, when the cross gets heavy, find relief and joy and reason to rejoice in the fact that God doesn't give us on us, doesn't give up on us. And we don't, and he does not always give us what we deserve. He gives us so much more than what we deserve. 
He gives us more. In this world that doesn't really know what it is asking for when it de- demands absolute justice. When we talk about what we want as justice, we give thanks today that God doesn't give us what we deserve. When delusional self-righteous attempts you to believe that you deserve better for your service to Christ, give it what it deserves. Put it to death through repentance. And because of Jesus, rejoice that the Lord gives us much more than what we deserve. The Christian life isn't always fair, but we thank God. We thank God that his grace and mercy sustains us and keeps us. Now you all have a blessed evening. May God forever bless you. Uh, And I praise God for you. God be the glory. Come on, everybody, open your mouth and worship the Lord. He's worthy of the glory. He deserves the praise. God deserves the praise. Come on, everybody, all over the room, open your mouth and worship. Lift your hands and bless him in this place.
through many times, but you know, God has been with us for a long time. My hallelujah belongs to you. Everybody, come on, let's come to the table. My hallelujah belongs to Day, thanking you, Lord God, for this message on tonight. Father, I thank you. I give you glory, honor, and praise. Bless those out there that were able to hear the word on tonight, Lord God, those that will go back and listen, Lord God. Father God, let them get something out of it, Lord God. Let us understand that it is not us. It's nothing that is good inside of us if you don't place it there. It is only by your grace and your mercy we are not consumed. It is only by your grace and your mercy and your love for us that we are able to do anything that is good in your sight. But all of our fil- all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Everything that we do needs to be with your glory and with your honor and with your direction because we're doing this for you and not for our vain glory. So Father, help us to teach, preach, Um, bring your word forth to every ear that hears and every heart that's open to receive it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you, and may God forever bless. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll see you all next week. Uh, I'll probably even see you Thursday. Y'all take care, and God bless you. It's been a minute since I've been on Facebook Live on Spreaker.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.